Hi, I'm Arlen Walker, and I am live from Pelham's Wasteland. Today, I'm going to talk about game mechanics. I'm going to talk about some Pathfinder mechanics, some One Ring mechanics, some Conan 2D20 and Star Trek Adventures 2D20 mechanics, and I think I'm even going to put in a debrief of the Pathfinder um, adventure that we are playing on Saturday. Today is Friday. Um, but this will go up after that Saturday, so I can record something about Pathfinder. All right, stay tuned. So I wanted to discuss something that I've been thinking about, partly because we are going to play Pathfinder this Saturday. Um, you can tell I'm pre-recording this episode because it'll probably go up after we play the Pathfinder game, and I'll probably put in the Pathfinder debrief in this episode. But one of the things I was thinking about was basically how much it feels like it sucks to have a bad role on something that my character is supposed to be good at. Um, and really the example is that my my specific character has something absurd like plus 10 to perception and plus 8 to stealth and plus 6 or 8 to initiative and generally has a couple of things that he's really good at and then a bunch of things that he's not very good at and it seems like that's sort of what Pathfinder is billed as that you can build your character in whatever way you want and there's a whole lot of complexity and so you can get just the right specific build that you wanted um and that's really cool except when i have a plus 10 on something and roll a three on a d20 and i'm still not high enough level that that three is basically negated by the huge bonus and i can still you know my perception isn't quite good enough to make it so that i pretty much don't need to roll at all and so yeah what i'm thinking about is basically it uh, it sucks. It feels feels really shitty to roll low in situations like that when it's stuff that I'm supposed to be good at. And what I'm thinking about is kind of what I think is something of a game design trade-off with the idea of building your character for something specific and how when you still have that random element of chance, um, you need some element of chance, but it sort of feels like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of the way to describe, because I'm not sure how to get around the problem, but it seems to me that the problem is that I have built a character who's supposed to be good at a couple of things. When I roll low on those things, it feels like, oh, my character is fucking useless. And that sucks that doesn't feel good what i want is for my character to feel powerful at those things regularly and feel useless at some other things right so i don't know i'm i'm comparing that in my mind to something like astonishing swordsman and sorcerers of hyperborea where i really haven't 
done that character building. And so it uh, doesn't feel as kind of bad when something goes wrong. The only thing that my character is really sort of meant to be good at is hitting people with his sword when he's raging. And that's, that's kind of it in terms of mechanical things that he's supposed to be really good at. And he is really good at that. Um, and in fact, he's so good that he does every once in a while miss, but pretty rarely, and he does roll low, but that sort of feels in combat that sort of feels more in keeping with how things are supposed to go, that it's okay to miss even when you have a, a big bonus because it's combat. And I, I accept that combat is chaotic and, you know, the no plan survives first contact with the enemy type thing. And that, you know, even if you planned on getting a couple of big hits, no guarantee that you're actually going to do so. So, where was I? I I'm, guess I'm just thinking about specifically for my Pathfinder character, who is not quite, not really min-maxed so much as just good at a couple of specific things. He's good at those things. It sucks when I roll low trying to do those things. And I'm wondering what to do about it. Because one of the things I'm thinking about is I'm, I'm comparing it in my mind to other systems and how other systems work and for instance um the way that the one ring works where when you're good at something that doesn't equate to flat bonuses it equates to more chances at success right because you roll more six-sided dice with your high skill and that, that it seems to me is a um different philosophy than a flat bonus. It's sort of easier to be okay with the idea that my character, who is supposed to be pretty skilled at something, might just fuck it up and not do it well when it feels like what I get for being good at something is more chances to do well and not a flat bonus. I guess what I'm saying is it feels really shitty to roll a three on a D20 when I've got a plus 10 to something and feel like, oops, I've got this huge bonus, but it still doesn't matter. As opposed to if what it was was rolling advantage on that same D20, it would still suck to roll two threes. But it would feel a little different. And I'm not sure why it would feel different. Somehow it would feel more like it's okay to fail when what you get is more chances and not a flat bonus. Um, and I'm not sure why. I'm kind of wondering about that. Because it seems to me, thinking about kind of game design and all of that sort of stuff, that that is something that we ought to think about, is how do we create interesting failure that is is interesting and exciting and is um, engaging, right? So one of the ideas is failing forward. Failing forward being the basic idea that when a character fails at something, that doesn't actually 
prevent them from making progression through the the story or the narrative or whatever is happening, what it does is it costs them something that it wouldn't have cost them otherwise, right? So failing forward, like the idea, you know, yes, you get through the trap, but you take three hit point damage as a, a really simple concept, right? It costs something to get through. Um, and I think that's a good model just in general. Um, failing forward creates uh, a more engaging story, you know. Failing forward is good. Having more chances at something based on being good at it seems to me to be another good model that you don't necessarily have that flat bonus that's still dependent on one die roll because that's what it feels like i guess is you um I suppose that's why it feels bad is because it feels like I'm still dependent on rolling well on that one die roll until I get to a high enough level where I have such a big bonus that it doesn't matter. Whereas having advantage or something like double or triple advantage, I don't know what you would call that versus having disadvantage, um, basically rolling more chances and having more chances, it feels like that's somehow um, not fair, although sort of. Somehow that seems to me to, uh, I guess, I guess, make sort of logical sense within the context of the story to, to be an element of verisimilitude um, that what you do, what you get by getting skillful at something is not a big flat bonus, but more chances to do something. And that somehow it feels like that reflects being skillful at something better to me. Um, and that may be just me. That that may be just reflective of the sort of games that I like. But I know there are a number of games that have things like that and that it seems like that. Um, you know, even in Astonishing Swordsman and Sorcerer of Hyperborea, one of the cool things when I go into Rage is that my attack rate, Jason's attack rate, becomes 5-2, uh, which is five attacks every two full rounds of combat. Um which basically means two on the first, two on odd rounds, three on even rounds. Um, and in the same way, that means making a lot of attack rolls. Um, I don't know, somehow that feels good to me in a way that having a big bonus on those attack rolls, I don't think would feel as good to me that um, getting a lot of chances to attack feels nice. I don't know why I'm, I'm going to think about it and come back and talk more about 
what I like and what I don't like about different systems for representing, I guess it's basically different systems for representing um, proficiency and skill and, and talent at doing things, what feels good and what doesn't feel good and why. So, yeah. So I had a chance to take a break and think a little bit. And I think what I'm going to do is go lateral and talk about a different mechanic in a different game that I like. And then I'm going to bring it all together in the conclusion and talk about how these two work in different ways. Um, so what I'm going to talk about is actually the momentum mechanic in Modifius 2D20 games. And I'm most familiar with it in the Conan 2D20, Conan Adventures in an Age Undreamed of game, which is a whole lot of fun and I thoroughly recommend to anybody. So, how does momentum work? Well, we, we have to start with how the basic system works. The basic system is it is a roll under your skill system, sort of like something like the Black Hack, um, you have a, an attribute and a skill. You add them together. You roll. That gets you, if you're under, you get one success. If you're really low, generally you're under your expertise or focus. I don't remember which one it is. You get two successes. Um, and if you're over, you get no successes on that roll. You always roll at least 2d20. But where momentum comes in is that if you have more successes than you needed on the last, on one of, on your roll, right? Let's say you needed two successes for something and you got three. That third success turns into momentum. And what momentum is used for is for a number of things. It's used for things like adding special abilities on attacks and all sorts of stuff. But at its core, what it's really most used for is for adding an extra d20 when you roll your action. Um, and furthermore, there's some cool, I don't remember what they're called in the system, but they're basically feats that um, add special things that allow you to generate up more momentum. So the idea is as you are playing and if you're succeeding at things, you're generating up momentum and that's making it easier to succeed at the next thing. Because obviously if you're rolling 4d20 instead of 2d20, it is easier to have a certain number of rolls below a target number on 4d20 than it is on 2d20. And hopefully you use the momentum to buy extra dice, to roll, to get more successes than you need, to regenerate the momentum, to keep going. And it's a, a virtuous cycle. So what do I like about the system? Well, there are a couple things that I really like about momentum. The first off is just quite simply the way that it creates pacing. It naturally creates an arc. As you start off with low momentum and are relatively weaker and vulnerable and not able to do as many things, and then especially, this is especially true in fights, as you build up momentum and essentially get stronger and more powerful and are using it all up and get to the end and complete it, and then the momentum dies down, 
it creates a really natural build up and climax arc to a lot of extended scenes. And that's really cool. Um, that by itself is really neat. There's some other stuff that I like about it. I like the way that it works to, um, to tie in to my discussion of flat bonuses versus multiple roles. I like the fact that it, gives you multiple roles rather than just a flat bonus. Um, it seems like that's a, to me, that just clicks in my mind that makes sense as, oh, I am, you know, putting in extra great, extra effort. And so I'm rolling 40, 20 instead of 2d20. And that's instead of that's I'm rolling 4d20 instead of 2d20 as opposed to, well, I'm rolling 1d20 plus 5 instead of 1d20 plus 1, right? And I really like the way that you can generate extra successes and the way that it reinforces itself. Because, like I said, the whole point is that you generate some momentum, you use the momentum to generate more momentum and build up your pool. You're only allowed to have six at maximum. And then the other thing that's cool is that the GM has a momentum pool called Doom. And Doom works basically the same as momentum, but for GM characters. And part of the idea is that over the course of the adventure, the Doom pool builds and builds and builds, and it creates really epic uh, final confrontations, boss fights, and the like, because the GM has all this Doom to spend and can... Uh, put out a lot of a lot of abilities that they wouldn't otherwise be able to get and it's it's just neat to watch the doom pool rise um it's a real sense of um it's cool to see the momentum and the doom pools rise together and that real sense of the the rising tension and the rising action and the way that things are getting closer and closer to the climax um is really neat it works really well in that system. Um, it's also present in the Star Trek Adventure system, which I haven't played at all, even though I have the book. Um, like a handful of systems that I have, I have the book and haven't played it, which is silly, um, and I should play it. Um, but I, I was never a huge Star Trek guy, personally. Um, so we'll see. Maybe I will convince somebody to run Star Trek adventures for me. And that'll give me some idea of um, what Star Trek is like and, and what would be fun to do. There's things that I like about Star Trek and things that I don't, I kind of bounce hard off of the, the sort of utopianism of Star Trek that I having not watched a lot of it, but having watched a couple of episodes, it feels to me, um, just a little silly. I don't know. Something about it rubs me the wrong way. This kind of utopian future. Everybody is happy and we've solved a whole bunch of the problems. And that is kind of cool to hope for. But makes to me for uh, somehow the setting rubs me the wrong way. Um, and maybe not all Star Trek is like that. Maybe that's only certain elements of Star Trek that are like that. And I am just, I ought to check out other Star Trek. So um, if you have suggestions for Star Trek that I should check out that won't rub me the wrong way, 
you should let me know. Um, I watched a little bit of Star Trek Enterprise, and I actually liked the idea that um, things weren't so utopian. The humans and the Vulcans are kind of opposed to each other and not all getting along, and the sense of discovery in the larger universe is more about kind of more like kind of historical discovery missions that are, you know, um, Columbus is trying to get to the Indies so that he can make a shit ton of money so that his people back home will be able to, you know, conquer places and, and do all of those sorts of things. And I, I don't know enough about Columbus himself to make that claim, but oh well. Um, but the the basic idea being that it was less um, Star Trek Enterprise was less utopian, and I appreciated that, even though I stopped watching after like two or three episodes. Um, but I don't watch very many TV shows, so that's not too surprising. Where was I? Momentum. So I like momentum a lot. I think momentum is a really cool system. I wish there was a good way. I'd really like to figure out how to, um, in fact, I like that um, the one ring has a system that works a little bit like momentum, which is at the beginning of a scene, at the beginning of a journey or an encounter or a combat, you can roll a specific skill, and based on how well you roll, you can get extra dice to use in that scene. Um, and that's pretty cool, partly because it reminds me of the way that momentum works, um, but also it's just straight up neat that uh, it seems to me to... Um, Reinforce the heroism, this idea that you have resources to draw on um, without making those resources um, overly powerful. So the way that the extra dice work is that they are success dice, so D6s. So if your character gets weary, that D6 is still like a regular D6. It doesn't count for anything on a 1, 2, or 3. So you might just not gain anything from using your extra dice. You um, also might roll a six, and it'll be great, and you have a big success. Um, but yeah, I I like the system of momentum. I think it works really well in Conan 2D20. It really creates that pulpy action feel of Conan stories in Conan 2D20, and that's really fun. Um so I am going to end this section here, and then I'm going to come back, and I'm going to talk about flat bonuses and advantage and momentum and what I want from my games. So what's the conclusion? What can we gather from this discussion? Um, I think the idea is that what I like is more dice rather than more math. I like the idea that um, the calculation in your head doesn't get any more complicated. It's just iterative. <laughs> Excuse me. 
Um, that's basically the way it works with momentum. That's kind of the way it works with advantage. That's the opposite of the way it works with flat bonuses. And I really like this idea that um, getting better at something, it's a real tangible bonus too, which is something that I really like. The feeling of holding four or five D20s in your hand instead of two of them, really, I think that tangible difference is really cool it gives a sense it ties it all together for me that there is something this tangible benefit you can reach down and grab more dice and roll them in your hand and let them go and that is different than when you don't have a lot of momentum and so you can only grab two of them or you can only grab three of them, right? Grabbing five dice at once and rolling them. That's really cool. And it especially works the way that I generally play Conan 2D20 in real life with my girlfriend. We use D20s as momentum counters. So instead of like beads or something, we just have... 20-sided dice, I have a ton of them, and just use them as each one is a momentum. So when you use three momentum, you just reach over to the momentum pile and you grab three more dice and you roll those too. And that's really cool. Um, it's sort of similar to the idea of getting a higher level in the one ring and grabbing another six-sider to roll in your set of rolling things. That's cool too. Um, so yeah, that is what I like. And there's a number of games that do kind of similar things that I like with that too. So uh, Barbarians of Lemuria, I haven't talked much about, but I should. I should do a, like a review, excuse me, of Barbarians of Lemuria. But one of the systems in it is that sometimes, normally you roll 2d6, sometimes you roll 3d6 and take the two lowest or roll 3d6 and take the two highest. And I think that's a really cool way of um, doing something similar, right? It's a, a similar concept. Rolling more dice to represent the, the differentiation from the norm. And that's really cool. It's not... I don't know if it's... The, the idea of rolling three dice and taking the two higher... I kind of like the idea that that's the only one you do, that you never roll three dice and take the two lowest ones. Because um, that, to me, fits in with the, the very linear relationship that the dice have with something like Conan, 2D20, and Momentum, that you are always just, you know, you add more and it's better. You never take away dice from the pool. You just add more and that's better. And that, that kind of linear relationship makes it really easy to feel how, what your chances are of doing the one thing. And there's never particularly complicated math. And I say as someone who, I like to think that I'm pretty, pretty math savvy. I, um, you know, I took multivariable calculus as a senior in high school, so... I know not impressive to anyone outside of high school, but to me that felt like a big deal. And, and you know, with a bunch of my friends and all that sort of stuff um, at the time. But um, what I was getting at is that I think that doing math at the table 
often slows down the game to some degree that doing complicated dice math what makes that 2d20 system work really well is that you can just look at the character sheet you can see this is the number i need to roll under i'm gonna roll it here's how many d20s i've got i'm gonna roll it and you can just look at the results and see pretty much instantly you know it's simple addition plus one or plus two sometimes per uh die and then that's that's what you get that's your successes um one ring not quite as elegant although i will say one advantage of playing online is that roll 20 will do the math for you um and that's something cool i feel like with uh playing pathfinder even that the dice math isn't that bad or Dice math isn't inherently bad, I don't think. I think it can just slow things down at the table a little bit. And so I really like the idea with um, playing online, when you have the computer, the computer can do the math for you. And that's really cool. That, I think, helps speed things along and actually makes it possible to play some of these more complicated systems much more smoothly. And I know some people don't like playing online. Some people do like playing online. Um, I am of the do like playing online camp, definitely. Um, most of what I play is online. And yeah, I like that the computer can do the math for you. Um, so I'm going to end here. Tomorrow I'm playing in the Pathfinder game. Hopefully tomorrow afternoon I will have some time and be able to do a debrief on the Pathfinder game. And that'll let you know sort of what I thought about the next episode. Um, and that'll be the first time that I've done two debriefs for one campaign, which is cool. Um, so you'll get some sense, or I will get some sense of the progression between the different sessions. All right, stay tuned. So a couple days later, and I have played Pathfinder. And I thought I would talk about, you know, do the debrief on the Pathfinder game. So um, Pathfinder was fun. It was, I think, a little more fun than the last time. Both of them were fun, but I complained a little bit about how last time we just didn't make a whole lot of progress. And I think in this one, I don't know if Kevin listened to um, the podcast or not, but um, if he did then he certainly took it to heart because we, um, without kind of changing the pace of the game or anything like that, we definitely made more progress than we did last time, um, which was good. It was fun. Our characters, so our characters are in the town of Torch, which has a giant sci-fi energy beam thing going on that's used as a forge um, that has gone out. Two expeditions go under this lake to try to figure out what's going on and don't come back. One goes in and does. Another expedition goes in and doesn't come back. And then finally, a fifth expedition composed mostly of people from the third expedition goes in and does not come back once again. And so our player characters are given 
the uh, given the job for this next round. And one of the things that I liked that we did was we started with a flash forward, essentially, to us going into the lake, getting under. And um, that was good because it put a really definite, like, you know, we know that we're going to make this much progress at least on this episode. Um, so that was really good. What else? Um, we hit level two, which is pretty exciting. I have an android slayer who's a kind of hunter, a bow hunter, archer type. Um, and at level two, one of the cool things is that I can take trap finding as a rogue, which is neat. Um, so I, I took that because, excuse me. I felt like it would be fun to be able to do trap finding as a rogue and we're about to go into a dungeon and I don't know how many traps there are going to be in the dungeon, but if there are some traps, I'm going to be good at finding them. Um, yeah, so I'm excited. Pathfinder was a lot of fun and I have to wait two weeks to play again, but that's okay. Um, especially because I've got some other games on the in-between. So yeah. Thanks for listening. Actually, I think I'm just going to wrap the outro into this section. So, um, like I said, thank you for listening. I have been Arlen Walker, and I've been live from Pelham's Wasteland. See you next time. <laughs>